mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Okay, so do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about the Galaxy or Galaxy? I got Galaxy on my brain. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Google Pixel 4a, the real uh, smartphone of the year award winner? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Pixel 4a's had like the weirdest launch ever. It was supposed to launch what way back in May or June, but then because of COVID, kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. They finally announced it in August. It ships in a couple days, I think. Here, um, but. You know, I'm still reading reviews, but the reviews overall are like, this phone's excellent. Um, It's $349. It comes with a base of 128 gigabytes of memory, which is awesome because even last year, the Pixel 4 and 4XL came with 64 gigabytes base, which is like unusable. Um, They've upgraded the memory. I think in the 3A and the 3A XL, they used um, like EMC memory, but they upgraded to UFS 2.1 on this one. So that's a nice upgrade. Big time. It's got a 5.81 inch uh, AMOLED screen. It's flat. 1080p. Uh, is that right? 5.81. Yep. Yes, and 1080p, um, 60 hertz. 60 hertz. It's got a hole punch in the upper left hand corner. Um, relatively symmetrical bezels and small bezels. Actually, like it looks like a a very a proper 2020 design. It actually reminds me most closely, and I was actually looking this up yesterday. Like. As far as dimensions, it is identical to an S10e, like, huh. like, like, just identical. Yeah. Um, and they remind me a lot of each other. Yeah. Um, where the hole punch is too. Yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that until you said it, but that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's got a Snapdragon eight thirty, seven thirty, excuse me, um, which is a eight nanometer um, chip, so it's relatively energy efficient. It's got a thirty one forty mAh battery. Uh, it's got a single camera, but it's using the IMX three sixty three, so it's the same <laughs> one in the in the pixels. And really, the reviews basically say that this phone is a steal. I mean, it undercuts the iPhone SE by fifty bucks. And you're giving up waterproofing and you're giving up the glass because it's plastic, which, you know, they both have merits, actually. Um, And you're giving up wireless charging. So those are, you know, non-trivial giveaways. But you're getting an extra 64 gigabytes of memory. You're getting a camera that's as good as the Pixel 4, like they've done side-by-sides, and I can't tell a difference. And when I've seen comparisons with the iPhone SE, like especially at night or when it's dark, they are not even in the same class. Nope. Uh, the pixel camera pixel 4a camera craps all over the iphone yep i mean if you really want to get into this like it's so capable oh it's it's let's get into it it's more capable than the samsung flagships really overall it takes better pictures it it doesn't it's not you know it doesn't have a wide angle there's no telephoto so you can't do as much but just as far as like primary output camera i mean it's probably pixels are top three and it matches the pixel four so it's right up there somewhere um this the only other weird thing about the screen that i've seen more and more and there's a lot of talk about this today the ambient light sensor is underneath the screen which is a first for google and ron amadeo was showing up the measurements of it versus other phones it's wonky right now and david ruddick's having a problem with the auto brightness on his mm. and it like the I know this is just a software thing I'm guessing it is but it looks like the sensor even in like a static so you know if you put two phones next to each other in light that's not changing um, 
one of the phones was registering a consistent value and the pixel 4a was dancing all over the place even though the light wasn't changing so i you know this could just be a pre-production thing it could just be a software thing but um, i've heard a few people say the screen is not the nicest on planet earth um you know it's it's still amoled um and it's 60 hertz which is not high refresh like something like the oneplus nord which is a bummer high refresh like once you have it, it's hard to give up but most people haven't had it so i don't think they would notice and you know again when you're paying 349 dollars for a phone it's like there's going to be some things you're giving up it's using a rigid amoled which is how they kept the price down as opposed to the flexibles used on most other things but overall it looks like a home run um straight up to the point that it's like people are just saying you know there really is no other entry-level Android phone that you should be considering. The OnePlus Nord does not sell here. I think that's the only one in the United States that may even like give it a run for its money, but they're not competitors because that phone's not here. And, uh, yeah, I, I, for the money, it's a really, really strong contender. Um, I'm pretty impressed. Google did a lot of things right with the Pixel 4a, and as the self-professed Pixel fanboy of the show, I'm not just saying that. I actually mean it in this instance, and I sit here talking to you on my Pixel 3, which has all of the same features for the most part. It has um, 4 gigs of RAM instead of 6. Um, I got the 128 gig storage version, but it's got the um, two years older Snapdragon 845, I think is what's in the Pixel 3. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm using beta software on it. It's got a single camera. It's got the dual, um, front facing camera, wide angle, and it is definitely greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that's what really makes the pixel devices shine, right? So Google's expertise is in software. It's not in hardware. That's why you have a polycarbonate body. That's why you have a delayed launch. That's why you have, um, one color, just black, um, that's why you have a single camera lens on the back. Like the, the A series phones um, are vastly more popular than Google's premium flagships for a couple of reasons. One, they're cheaper. So of course, duh. Two, the software experience is bar maybe only the OnePlus um, Oxygen OS variants, but the software experience is almost second to none. It's it's one um, or or two depending on you know whether you like kind of silky smooth or, or brute force speed, which is kind of OnePlus's mantra. And Google can do a lot of things with a phone and software that most other people can't do with just hardware. And that includes taking incredible and impressive still photography, which, and I'll, I'm going to mention this only because I'm stealing it from Fisher, whom, you know, obviously, if you've listened to the show before, you know, we love Mr. Mobile uh, on YouTube, but his review said something that stuck with me. And he's like, yeah, you can get all these pro cameras with pro features and all this other stuff. But mostly what I want right now is just to pull a phone out of my pocket and take a picture and know that I'm going to get a high quality image with doing basically nothing. And that to me is what typifies the pixel line. Like you pull out the phone, you take a picture, you know, you're going to get a quality image, you know, 98 times out of 100. And that's kind of what people care about, especially those that are pixel enthusiasts, like they want a great camera. And Google has really, in a lot of ways, let pixel enthusiasts down ever since the very first pixel phone came out. Like the very first pixel phone was revolutionary in a lot of ways. And Google has 
progressively been getting worse from the hardware standpoint with their phones, which is, you know, there are rumors that, you know, Rick Osterloh was furious when he saw the Pixel 4 and 4XL and was like, why are you people selling these phones or why are you making us look bad? These these phones are trash. Like the Pixel 4 and 4XL are not even sold anymore on Google Store. That's how much of a disaster it was. They made about a million and they sold a million and they're done. Like it's just gone. The 3A, the 3A XL, and presumably the 4A, and maybe even the 4A 5G when it gets here. Um, these phones know what they are. They don't pretend to be anything other than what they are. And they focus on where Google's expertise lies. And that's in making a software experience that's very user-friendly and intuitive. They focus on leveraging the Google Assistant to help you do a lot of things. They take great still photography and I keep emphasizing still photography because they do lag behind in the video quality and that's just a fact like iPhone just smashes it out of a park with with respect to videography but with still photography you can do things like take pictures of the night sky using astrophotography like what other smartphone can you do that actually scratch that what other smartphone that costs $350 can you do that with and there are none they're literally zero Google's ability to produce in two successive generations very affordable smartphones with about four or five features that are very very important to a, a lot of common people people who aren't pixel enthusiasts people who aren't tech nerds like you and me good photos good battery life good software experience providing software updates for multiple years including security updates and having the Google Assistant be the best smartphone assistant on the planet, those are the things that Google does well. When they offer it and a package like the 3A, the 3A XL, and now the 4A have been able to do, they're going to be successful. And that's just a straight up fact. And I, I would have zero hesitation in recommending this phone for all of the reasons that you mentioned. It looks modern. The screen, is, the screen is good enough. The battery life is good enough. The processor is good enough. The RAM and storage are good enough. The camera is class leading. And you know you're going to get software updates and security updates. And you're not going to have to worry about a ton of stuff. Like this is... You said home run, I, I say grand slam. Like this is the phone that Google absolutely should be producing for 350 bucks if they want to sell a lot of phones. And from what the rumors are, they do. Um, and I think that this is, a, it's actually funny because I think we talked about this offline. It's an astonishing, an astonishingly good phone from Google, which hasn't been something we, we've been able to say a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, so no, I agree with you. It's by, like it, it's orders of magnitude better than any entry level Android phone has ever been, and as a gateway to getting people into the you know ecosystem, um, it's pretty incredible for what it is. And it's it's you know a grand slam's probably not a, a bridge too far. It's it, it definitely like I would have no qualms with recommending it to damn near anyone. So um, you didn't want an iPhone, so it, it's a very, very strong contender. And it's weird, like, Google's Pixel strategy has been all over the place. We've talked about this at length in other podcasts, and I never felt like they knew exactly what they wanted to do. Um, their phones were overpriced often versus competitors. Um, but they always had, you know, the best software and the best cameras. And um, 
their strategy this year has actually been like confounding. It was very, very difficult to understand what the hell they were doing. But it looks like it's going to shake out that we're going to get this phone for three forty nine, and then there's going to be a larger um, six inch six point one two. We're not sure how big yet. There was rumors of six six, but it looks like those are debunked. So larger, but we don't know how large. Six six something, six three maybe. Um, Pixel four A five G, which is not a great name. No, but it looks great phone. It's they've already confirmed it's going to be four hundred ninety nine dollars. And it's going to have the Snapdragon 765G, um, or maybe the 768G, which same thing, just kind of an overclocked version, which is the same chip the OnePlus Nord has in it. Um, we don't know if it's going to have a high refresh screen or anything yet, but we do know that it's going to have 128 gigabyte base, just like the 4A, and it's going to be 5G, and you know, and it has two cameras, so we do know some things about it, right? So it's like. We don't know the two cameras are yet. I don't know if it's going to be like the Pixel 4 where they give us a normal camera and then they give us the um, tele. tele yeah. uh, I'm hoping it's a widescreen. That makes a lot more sense. That's my favorite configuration if I'm getting two. But what I do know is this. For $499, a larger version of this phone with a higher powered chip with a bigger battery that supports 5G um, would just be a winner right off the bat, period. I don't even know what to say. You know, it, That's a lot of phone for 499 And then... It looks like the Pixel 5 is going to be maybe similar in size to this one. I'm going to go ahead and guess it's going to be somewhere between 5.81 and 6 inches, which actually seems to be a sweet spot for a lot of people. And it's also going to have dual cameras, and it's going to have at least a 90 hertz screen, so we know that it'll be high refresh. Um, it's also going to have the 765 or 768G in it. Um, Rumored price is $699 for that one. And you're going to get, it sounds like the differentiator is it's going to be metal and glass build as opposed to plastic. And you're going to have wireless charging and reverse wireless charging. But if that's their lineup this year, I actually, even though they're not making a quote unquote like true flagship like they have in years past, I actually think these phones make more sense and will outsell the eight pixels of any other year by a fair margin, COVID notwithstanding. Because I think for the money, those are all really, really good deals. If if you can get a Pixel 5 that's not massive, fits nicely in your hand with a modern design and a hole punch, um, metal and glass, has wireless charging, reverse wireless charging, a high refresh Samsung screen that's high resolution, it's 5G, and it costs $699, that seems pretty freaking reasonable to me. And then the the 499 Pixel 4a 5G also seems like a pretty square deal when you look at what you're getting as far as, you know, you're getting the best camera, you're getting at least three years' worth of support. Uh, we kind of glossed over that, by the way. Samsung just didn't even say this, but stuck it in. They're doing three OS updates' worth of support now, getting to the S10. So it looks like Android OEMs, at least Google and, and and Samsung, are now actually supporting their phones for three years, which is a welcome improvement. Um, they're starting to get a little closer to what Apple does. But, uh, yeah, it, it's weird. Samsung or um, Google, I think, can thrive way more in this space than they did in the flagship space. And, again, I, I don't know what the goal of the Pixel line is. And if you ask Google, I'm not sure they've known either. But if the goal now becomes more, we want to build phones that kind of bridge the $350 to $700 price point every year that offer the main things the consumer wants, 
consumers want, which is battery life and, you know, the best camera and then some of the other bells and whistles that we've talked about in more moderate price tags versus the Apples and Samsungs of the world. That makes a lot more sense to me from a strategy standpoint than what they've been doing the last few years with the Pixels. We've been saying that Google does, you know, Google's this billion dollar company, you know, almost a trillion dollar company, right? And it's, it's various iterations and incarnations. And the Pixel devices serve two purposes. One, it's to showcase what Android can do. And two, it serves as a gateway for Google to get you into their services because they want you using Gmail and all of the other various, you know, hardware and software iteration offerings that they have because they want to suck up our data. And as I've said before, you know, I, for one, welcome our new Google overlords, but they, they need to get these phones into the hands of people who can use them and who will become the product in essence. Like they will give up their data to Google to get the things that Google is willing to give them essentially for free, you know, and the hardware is, you know, kind of subsidized at that. And I think that they realize that they're too nascent in terms of hardware and supply chain production to be able to put out a premium product. Like Apple's been doing this for decades or a decade now plus. Samsung's been doing it for decade plus. You know, OnePlus has the power of Oppo behind them. And so they can, you know, kind of afford to have some gaffes and missteps and, and still produce quality phones. You know, LG, ask LG, making phones is hard. And LG's been doing this a lot longer than Google has. Ask HTC, they've been doing this a lot longer than Google has. And both of those companies are, you know, damn near their mobile phone divisions are gone. So the fact that Google, I think, or somebody at Google said, hey, what are we really doing with these phones? Do we want the $1,000 price point to, to make it so hard for people to get our devices? And then all they do is just complain about them and bash them. And, you know, the reviews are all, you know, uniformly bad in one form or fashion or another. And instead, they could say, well, why don't we pump, punch out a bunch of really good, cheaper phones, more inexpensive phones that gets more people using them and then we get what we want and we make it up in volume. And what they want is people using their services and what they make up in volume is, oh yeah, you maybe sell you know, $2,899,000 phones. But what if you could sell $5,350,000 phones and you could also sell you know, another $2,500,000,499 phones and another million and a half six ninety nine phones? Like they're going to make money. They're just absolutely going to make money. And even well, if they even if they don't do it on the hardware itself, the increased number of people that are using Android phones or more heavily invested in the Android ecosystem gives them an opportunity to make up that money in other ways, even if they're not making it straight up on the hardware. Yeah, I was going to say, now they have your data to market and sell. Yep. So that, that is really kind of their core business in a lot of ways. So. Serve you ads, baby. That's exactly what they're about. You know, rumor is October 8th, these are going to be up for pre-order or announced or something. So I think we're going to know in the not-so-distant future. But, um, yeah, I, I, the rumors were everywhere. We had no idea what they were doing. But now that it's come kind of more into focus, we'll have to see what they actually release. But if the 4A is the direction they're going, it's the right one. And I think the decision to stop fighting in that, you know, really high-end space is a smart one because you know Samsung isn't exactly selling like gangbusters those thousand dollar plus phones. They, nope. The S twenty twelve are disappointing, and Very I think true. phones have gotten so good that 
you know, it's not as much of a differentiation as people think anymore, and they're unwilling to pay the premium, and I don't know. I, I What they're doing in focusing on the basics here make a lot of sense. My brother is one of those people, he's looking for a new phone, he's balking at the prices of the, the Note Ultra, and I can't blame him for it, but, you know, if I could absolutely see if a Pixel 5 comes out that is the size we're talking about, has a high refresh screen, class-leading camera, wireless charging, and it's 699 bucks. I think he would be very, very interested. So he's the kind of consumer that they can lure because, you know, um, he is price conscious and is focused on a, on a, he doesn't need to have the best across the board of everything. And I think the Pixel 5 is going to hit the, the things that are important to him at, at a reasonable price point. It's a good strategy. Agreed. And I think kind of as you've mentioned, you know, as we go into the fall and, you know, next month we're going to get iPhone announcements. We're going to get, you know, two new pro phones. We're supposedly going to get two new versions of, um, you know, the iPhone 12, I guess, or whatever it'll be that, you know, the non pro version. And, you know, those, those phones are going to be, you know, the pro versions of the phones are of iPhones are very expensive. And the standard iPhone, the cheap iPhone, is you know going to play in kind of that six ninety nine space um, also you know between you know six fifty and, and six ninety nine, and I think that if there are some people who are not Apple loyalists and we're kind of on the fence and are thinking like wow you know I can get five G and I can get one hundred twenty eight gigs of storage and I can get you know the best smartphone camera that money can buy. You know, I think there are some people who might who might consider it because maybe they're tired of, you know, they can get the top end, you know, Pixel phone instead of the, the cheap iPhone. Right. And, you know, iPhones have grown to be such a status symbol and people are so so brand conscious that, you know, it's like, oh, you only have two cameras. Oh, I'm so sorry you couldn't afford the pro phone. Like, that's terrible. You know, take your poverty iPhone 11 and get out of here. And that's a it's a real thing. And people are probably especially in this era when, you know, people are out of work and the pandemic has hit a lot of people hard, like, you know, a $350 phone that takes great pictures and lasts a long time and I can keep for two years and is going to get supported that whole time is, is a thing, like a real thing. And it's certainly much more modern in design than the, um, uh, what's the cheap iPhone, the iPhone SE? Is that it? SE2? What are we calling it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's got gigantic bezels and the home button and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And people are going to, I think if you objectively look at that and just said, Hey, one of these is 350, one of these is 399, you know, which of these would you prefer, you know, operating system aside, I think people would look at the iPhone or the iPhone. People would look at the pixel 4a and go, I don't want the iPhone. I want the phone that looks like that. And that's going to be a powerful motivator to some people. It's not going to cause a ton of people to switch, but I think that I think that you're right. I think that Google has realized that the space that they need to play in is not in the Samsung, Apple, Ultra team premium tier. And maybe they're working on a foldable Pixable and maybe they're not. But I think that at $350, $499, and $699, that is the right segment for Google to be in if what they want to do is sell enough phones that they can expand their brand and they can expand the number of people that they can collect data from and, and serve them ads and ultimately end up giving them a better smartphone experience um, at the at the price that they're willing to used to or they're used to being willing to play in like if you look around at other $350 phones they're trash like literally trash and you know even the 699 space you know you're still you're still getting a lot of phone 
for the money at that price and whether or not the 4a 5g and the five the pixel 5 that uh, they there's no way google calls it the 5 5g right like that would just be dumb no i, I have to imagine it'll just be five yeah. and then it'll be four and 5g i think are going to be the names yeah let's hope that they're not dumb enough to call it the pixel 5 5g um though did i stutter um the 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 value proposition there is a much easier sell than it ever has been before and um you know i'm 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 with eric like if the pixel 5 comes out and it's everything that we think it is i would have zero hesitation pulling the trigger at that price point i mean i've spent 899 on a phone before like why wouldn't i spend 200 dollars less to get every bit as much phone and maybe it's not a flagship in name but I'm again. I'm sitting here using my Pixel Three and not having any issues whatsoever with it. And this is a two-year newer phone. Like I have zero hesitation pulling the trigger. Well, here's where we're at. We're talking about it. Candy bar phones. Phones have stopped being big changes. They're all basically bezel lists with some variation therein, right? Either a notch or like a hole punch or whatever, right? So they all look the same. Um, so really, it's like there's no for most people. The processors just have been fast enough for quite some time already. You only need so much RAM. Um, and I, I think actually something you said earlier, I would actually disagree with slightly, which is I don't think people can even tell the difference between these phones anymore. It used to be you could get the, the newest and greatest, and people could tell that it was because they changed so much, and now they have no idea. Like if you had an iPhone, you know, 8 plus, I don't think anyone would bat an eye at all or care because they really still look similar enough that people won't even notice. Um, so, you know, if you want to try to big leak people by how cool your phone is, you either have to be an asshole like me and buy a $2,000 folding phone, or you can buy like, you know, the latest um, iPhone in whatever the year specialty color is. It was like that all in green last year and it's going to be navy blue this year and try to show your status that way, I suppose. But for most people, like, we're way past it. Smartphones are a commodity. Um, people want good battery life, reasonable cost, uh, good performance, um, great cameras. And I think Google just stopped chasing that top because the market's small. And I think that this is just a much smarter strategy. For between 349 and 699 you can get a small, um, awesome phone that will be everything you need it to be. For four ninety nine, you can get a large phone that'll be everything you needed to, and then some because it adds five G in the equation. And for six ninety nine, for guys that want a little bit more because they want wireless charging and nicer build quality on a highly fresh screen, you have that. And any of those three options are great. And basically, all of them are at base iPhone levels or slightly below or way below the Samsung flagships. And I just think they'll sell more phones. Yep, I agree. I think. It only took Google five years, but I think they finally got their strategy right. Yeah, they basically went back to Nexus phones. It cracks me up. What's old is new again. They're going back to only the Nexus phones had top-of-the-line CPUs and everything and then didn't have great cameras. And instead, now they're going, we're going to put in, you know, not quite top CPUs or something very capable to give you top-of-the-line cameras. And it turns out, I think that's a winning combination. Yep, I agree. Any final uh, Pixel thoughts before we wrap it up? I'm looking. I, I'm actually. It's bizarre that in a non-flagship year, I'm looking more forward to seeing what they bring out than I was when they were doing like real flagships. Um, you won't. I won't get to do a Pixel Three XL rant about you know a notch the size of you know Australia or something. But um, 
I think it'll be fun in other ways because, you know, I think they'll start pulling the market down maybe a little bit. And I, I do think that there's this huge middle section of people that, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll be, maybe they're going to become, ironically, going to become the one plus of the United States. It could be. And I, I think that, you know, I think if where we're at is we're making fun of them, but for the right reasons, then I think that Google has come a long way from where they were. Um, and maybe the Pixel 5 will be the spiritual successor to the Pixel 1 where there won't be compromises. There won't be, you know, weird burn in. There won't be bathtub size notches. There won't be, you know, wave your hand over my, you know, bezel gimmicks. It'll just be a great smartphone experience powered by Google that just works. I actually wonder if it'll be the spiritual successor to the Nexus 5. Kind of that hollowed ground of reasonable size, reasonable price, did everything do really well? Why did they ever deviate from that? I, I wonder if this becomes kind of the, I, again, maybe what's old is new again. The Pixel 5 is really, or the, the Nexus 5 was considered to be like the best Nexus. and The pinnacle, it, yeah history's going to repeat itself with the pixel line so there you go yeah fair enough we, we we would all benefit from it if that were the case and especially google so go figure right all right chop this one in the two pieces because it's so ungodly long thank you everyone for listening <laughs> yeah no i agree it will definitely um have a part one and a part two no worries there so all right my dude thanks again right, take man. care have a good night have a good thanks Bye. As Sean mentioned, thanks again for sticking around with us for both part one and part two. If you haven't heard the first part, uh, which we cover the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event, make sure you go and check that out. We are Silicon Theory, and you can find us wherever your podcasts are sold. Um, Tell a friend, and if you have any feedback or suggestions, hit us up. You can leave a comment uh, either on anchor.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you want to shoot us an email, you can find us at silicontheory at gmail.com. Take care, everyone, and we will talk text again soon.